welcome to the Nerd Party. Welcome back to Throwback Paperback. I'm one of the hosts, Asia Bonilla. And I'm your other host, Charles Sheeland. And we are back again, starting our new series, which is a reread for Asia this time. It's new to me. It's the Skin Jacker Trilogy by Neil Schusterman. Did that rhyme? New to me trilogy? No. It kind of, it sounded a little bit like I was rhyming. I wasn't trying to. We're covering the first half of the first book today, which is Ever Lost. As we like to say every week, for anyone who's into the show, we're a podcast on the Nerd Party Network, we're best friends, and we're reading and rereading young adult literature from our childhood and adolescence, and sharing these books with each other. And this time, I am rereading the Skin Jacker trilogy, and Charles will be reading it for the first time, and... Wow, these readings are way shorter relative to our last awful series, but, you know, we're not going to talk about that because I am so excited to dive into into today's series because I loved these books as a kid, I and I am loving rereading them so far. And since it is my turn for a reread, Charles will be giving us the summary, but before we do that, I'm just going to give a small intro I'm not really going to talk about Neil Schusterman too much since I already gave an intro in our episode on Bruiser, which is a couple episodes back. So if you'd like to hear that, go ahead and check out that episode. But for this series, Neil Schusterman wrote the first book ever lost in 2006, the second book ever wild in 2009, and then the final book ever found was published in 2011. And I found on his website where he kind of got the idea for the story which I have a quote, and he basically said that, what if you tripped over your own shoelaces on your way down the tunnel in reference to like when you're on your way to like heaven, when you die, where do you go if you don't quite make it all the way to the light? That idea bounced around in my head for years until it connected with a reason to tell it. And it was realizing that the twin towers would still exist in Everlast that made me want to tell it, which as we'll find out, the twin towers, which... If you're not from the U.S. and maybe not familiar with the tragic uh, terrorist attack of 9-11 here in the U.S. in New York City was where the Twin Towers fell, and that plays a huge role in this story, but I'm not going to get ahead of myself. We'll talk about it in a little bit. Also wanted to mention that in a blog interview from 2013, Neil discussed that his biggest challenge for this series was with the world building. And he said reigning in the rules and remaining aware of their impact on everything was a huge challenge. And he says that he was very adamant about being consistent, but we'll be the judges of that because we are big about world building here on Throwback Paperback. And so far in the first half of the reading, we've been introduced to a plethora of Everlost rules. So we will be able to see if they do stay consistent throughout the trilogy. And as far as the story being turned into a movie or TV show, Neil has definitely pitched it, it sounds like, a lot and tried to get a deal, but so far he hasn't gotten one yet, but still could possibly at some point in the future be made into one. I would really be interested in seeing this as maybe like a TV show or something, especially now with like how technology is so has progressed so much with like CGI. I think it would be really interesting. And 
last thing I'll talk about is why it's called the Skin Jacker Trilogy, since, you know, all the books are called, like, Everlost, Everwild, Everfound. Seems kind of random that it's referenced as the Skin Jacker Trilogy, but from where we've gotten in the reading, that actually hasn't been revealed, so since we don't do any spoilers here, we're not going to talk about it just yet, but we will go over some theories today at the end of the episode as to what Charles thinks it could mean. Well, thank you for that intro. We'll have to get there. So the plot so far, Nick and Allie are two children who die in a car crash. Nine months later, they come become afterlights, basically ghosts of children, though I know ghost is not the technical term, according to this world. They connect with Leaf, who is another afterlight, and they make their way to New York City to find, to find a bunch of other afterlights who are under the protection of Mary Hightower. Nick is totally vibing with Mary, but Allie is totally not. And so they go to, they leave to go talk to an afterlight called The Haunter. But that ends up with Nick and Leaf being captured, and now Allie has to go find them. And that's kind of where we got. Just for my impression, this was a much easier read. Personally, I don't really care about the concept very much. I don't really, this sounds dark or serious at least. I don't care about like, quote unquote, the afterlife. That sounds really, really extreme. That's not necessarily what I mean, but I just, I'm not, I don't think about it that much. So yeah, it's kind of like bruiser in that like, I guess I like the characters more than I actually like the story. But I'm, really, yeah, like I really liked Bronte and Tennyson. I thought they were really fascinating characters, and I'm really like Allie. So, and I like Mary. I mean, we'll get to that. But like, I don't know. I don't actually care that much about like the world building of the Everlost. But whatever, we'll get to that. What about your impression, Asia? Wow. Yeah, I feel like well, for me, I was very excited and to reread it I do remember a decent amount about the story I definitely remember a lot of like the world building and like the rules of the world and like the general storyline I don't necessarily remember exactly how everything happens so it'll be very interesting to reread it but I think that's interesting that you aren't as interested in the concept whereas I feel like for me as a kid especially when I read this the like concept of there being this like in between place between life and death was just so intriguing to me, especially like somewhere specifically for kids. Like I just was really drawn into the concept. So the fact that you're not drawn into it, I think is definitely getting two different perspectives, but well, also because I, I mean, even like, Right now, I mean, I don't necessarily love the characters as much. I like Allie, but, like, Nick's kind of annoying and not the smartest, but we'll see. But, yeah, for me, I think I've always, for how I remember this series, I was more so drawn into the concept as opposed to the characters. So I do think it's interesting that you feel the opposite way and to see, like, will that change as we go along? We go on with the reading. Yeah. Well, let's dive in. We start with a bang. Literally, because Allie and Nick get into a car accident and they incubate in death for nine months, after which they become afterlights, which are basically like children ghosts. And they live in this half-life sort of shadow world called Everlost. 
And from what I remember, the world building in this story is incredible. So hopefully Charles will like it or enjoy it or accept it. I don't know. But I just remember it being really good and like pretty consistent. But also when I read this, I was like 12, 13. So I might have been easier for me to like just accept things. But one of the things that we learn is that they can't stand on living places for too long or they'll begin to sink into the earth. But dead places are solid ground for the afterlights. Yeah, that's um, another example that I think is like good world building is like the whole nine months thing. It takes nine months for a child to be born. It also takes nine months for a child to become a green soul, which is basically a new afterlight. I think that's clever. I think it makes sense. Or I mean, you know, makes sense. You know what I mean? Yeah. It works. So I'm here for it. Yeah, I think I remember from this series, I feel like, Schusterman, he was really good at like explaining like why things are happening or like giving a good enough like justification that you're like, you know, that seems rational. It seems logical. But without hitting you over the head. Like he's not yeah. like saying it a hundred times. Yeah, it's just like, like he Lee says, like, I wonder if it's because we're kids and kids take it takes nine months for a kid to be born. And I was like, you know what? I buy that. But I don't feel like it has to be like you know, they don't know all the answers to the afterlife, so we don't have to spend that long on it. Yeah. But like, we got a, we got an explanation. It was thought about. That's enough for me. And another important part that I guess is also considered world building is that there are no adults in Everlast because they never got lost on their way to the light or wherever they're going. And I think the... I, I like, distinctly remember, like, the explanation he gives for this of like why adults never end up in Everlast. Do you remember what it was? Or do you want me to say? Isn't it like, I thought it's what you said that they like, oh, isn't it like they're too focused he gave on like things? A, he, gave, he gave like a, an example of, you know, do adults, adults never like get in the car and like just go for a drive. They always have a destination even if they've never been to the destination, they always have a destination. Like, they know where they're going. Yeah. Gotcha. I remember that. I thought, and I remember, that is, like, a quote that's, like, stayed with me. Like, I remember reading that as a kid and thinking, like, that's, like, kind of true. I mean, obviously, there are still adults who wander and stuff. But, like, I think that is a general statement. Like, I feel like once you become an adult, like, you have your responsibilities and you just do them. Whereas, like, when you're a kid, like, you're much more just, like, existing and floating and, like, it is, like, you're not always, like, knowing where you're going. So, to me, it makes sense, like, his idea of, you know, when you die, you either get where you're going or if you're a kid and you get a little lost, you could end up in Everlast because you didn't make it all the way to the light. Yeah. No, I think that that perfectly makes sense. And it's, like you said, it's an explanation as to why there aren't adults. He's thought about it. That's all we need. And because Allie and Nick are kids, they are stupid insofar as they immediately want to go to where they're from or their home which i was reading that i was like wow that's something a child would think and i was like oh wait they are children that's kind of the whole point it was like because if i died and became a ghost i don't think the first thing i would want to do would be to go see everyone who's still alive like that would be like really i would be really not right away no no no, because i think it would drive me insane that's true but I think it would be like, oh, I'd want to like know like what happened. Also, I think they're crea- But I would need a second. I would need a I second. I mean, it's going to take and them so- a second. They've got to travel by foot. 
Well, they don't have feet. They got to travel by like ghostly. Well, they do have feet, but like gliding. Gliding. They're walking. They're walking and sinking into the ground as they walk. But they said they don't have distinguishable feet. They feel themselves sinking. They don't see themselves sinking. Oh, I don't think I ever understood right? it as that. Well, no, because they put like the they make like the road shoes with like the branches. Oh, you're right. Maybe it was just they hadn't formed at the beginning yet. I think Allie, like the, the description of it, it's kind of supposed to be like they have a body, like they see it, but it's kind of like their body doesn't really exist, like because they're ghosts, like they're yeah. they're essentially ghosts. So it's kind of like trying to balance, which is also why, like, I do think this would be really interesting to see, like an adaptation on the screen to like see how it's like made into. Cause I think it's a very interesting concept of like they're ghosts, but like they live in this world where there's like dead places. I, again, I've just always found the concept really fascinating, but I did want to mention something else, which is that coins are important, which I don't know if Charles kind of noticed this cause coins were mentioned a couple times while we were during the reading, Leaf, who is the kid, when Nick and Allie first wake up, he's, like, in his forest, and he died, like, at least 100 years ago. He mentions how he used to have a coin, like a nickel, but someone stole it from him, and Nick also finds a coin in his pocket. I noticed it was mentioned. I wasn't sure if it was important, so thanks for letting me know. I'll definitely keep an eye out for it now. And then we also find out that Allie has a coin and she even says she has no recollection of having a coin. And she says like it's in her back pocket and she's like never puts anything in her back pocket. So it was kind of weird that she had one. But when they get to the Twin Towers, Mary, who's like in charge there, she like makes everyone make a wish and throw their coins in the fountain like outside of the buildings. So again, clearly like the coins are going to serve a purpose. Well, now that we've discussed that the coin is important, it feels more and more like Mary is sketchy. So that, But that was something I noticed as I was reading, just independent of the coins. Like, Miss, Miss Mary, I wrote, she seems a little nefarious because she's very interested in making people conform to her understanding of Everlost and her way of behavior. And now that you mentioned the fact that the coins are important, but she basically has this, like, this system to harvest people's coins... That feels really sketchy. And she basically creates this world where, like, afterlife, afterlights kind of get stuck in their routine. And they have to do the same thing for eternity, at least while they're in Mary's control. And that's definitely sketch. Whereas I was just more direct with it that, you know, Mary is very clearly a cult leader. Or at least giving that vibe. I mean, cult is a really good term for it because even... I think it's Allie that says it. Like, so all the kids, they have their routine that they have to follow. But Allie is like, you know what? Very and Mary don't follow a routine, which is such a cult leader thing to do, where like you set a rule, set rules and set expectations for your cult members, but you yourself don't have to apply. They don't have to apply to you. It's like a dictator. It's the same thing. Like they. You have rules, but if you don't, you don't, that you yourself, the leader, are above them. Well, so for the routine thing, it's not that Mary requires them to be a part of a routine. It's, she encourages it. She encourages it, yes. She talks about it, like, as we'll learn, she's written, like, a bunch of books about, like, 
the world of Everlost. And she does encourage, she does encourage you finding your, what she calls your niche. And she says like, that's like the key to like happiness or something in Everlost, which is like kind of scary and like very creepy that like you're literally doing the same thing every day for like the rest of eternity. But she does not force them. But so, but they do notice Allie and Nick, like as they're staying there, that pretty much all of the kids do have their set daily routine. They do the exact same thing, have the exact same conversations, play the exact same games every single day. But yes, it is very interesting that she avoids that somehow and her little side or right-hand man, very, very, I don't know how to say it. It should be very because it's Stradivarius. Okay, very, which also, I'm telling very you right Mary, now though. They sound the same. Very, the little, he's like a little nine-year-old boy with curly hair. I don't know about you, but he's giving me, like, he's creepy, scary vibes. Oh, yeah, he's like a stalker. I mean, the way you started describing him was like, oh, my God, so cute. But his character is sketchy, and you're like, oh, no, he's scary. And I was like, thank God. I was like, you definitely read it wrong if you thought he was cute. But, like, little curly-haired boy, like, super cute. No, in the sense but of, like, no, little curly-haired boy, but, like, like creepy, busy. like, doll. Like, <laughs> like that's the vibe I'm getting. Like, Chucky doll. Like, that, that is what I'm imagining. But, like, <laughs> an actual real child. Yes, that is correct. That is also what I thought. Child. Also, like, a busybody doll. Like, why are you doing that? <laughs> I mean, yes. That's why, also, again, a TV show, I mean, this could definitely be, like, part horror but anyway i do think that the whole idea of the niche the routine it also kind of shows something else important which is that i feel like it's a sign that everlost can't be the like final answer because like it seems kind of ridiculous that you know you die to just become a ghost who does the same thing for the rest of like all time like i just feel like that has to be pointing towards, you know, there must be some way out or, like, somewhere else to go. Like, maybe I just felt that way. Like, I don't know if you felt that from that whole explanation. I completely agree. Like, I was like, what is the point of Everlost if you just do the same thing? Like, there's no point in this, like, in-between area if, one, people don't do anything other than be there, and, two, why would you keep your personality in this death phase if it didn't matter? Like, if you were just going to stick with your niche and not have to, like, have varying interactions, why would your personality transfer? Like, why would the person you were come over? Like, you know, why are you stuck with the chocolate that you were eating? Like, there's, like, a messy 12-year-old. Like, you know, it's stuff like that that I'm like, why? They're 15, I think. They're 15. Okay, great. But, like, why would that carry over if it didn't matter? And so, like, I agree. Like, it definitely feels like there's something there's got to be some other reason because also we know that there's something at the end of the tunnel because the adults go there so you know yep i do think like i definitely think that mary is bad though i will say i do feel badly for her as well because she describes her death to nick and it was pretty gruesome like getting hit by a train like that's that sounds horrible well, I would say... But then Nick kisses. I was going to say what was oh, more ahead. gruesome, though, is her description of after... Because she dies with her brother and how they... And basically, she explains to Nick, like, why you shouldn't go back to see your family when you've died. Because her and her brother go to try to find her parents. Or her it's just her dad because their mother died a long time ago. 
and the like weight of seeing your like family have moved on without you just makes you sink through the into the earth and so her brother like immediately like sunk into the earth and like was on his way to the center of the earth but she was able to like grab onto the bed where her mom passed away giving childbirth giving birth to her brother because the bed was a dead spot because her mom died there and so she was able to climb up on there until she could like get her emotions under control to leave so it kind of makes sense why like she's like do not go back to see your family because it it will literally weigh you down so much that you'll sink absolutely i mean that's kind of what i said earlier like i like i think it would be too hard for me at least right away and so i'm in control but you know she's doing it you know in a much more sketchy way than like and also like if you told people that if you told all of them what she told nick it wouldn't feel it wouldn't feel bad you know it's the fact that she tells nick when she because he's special you know yeah then Nick does kiss her, and I was like, don't do that, Nick. You're supposed to be with Allie. But, you know, we've got two and a half more books to make that happen, so I'm not concerned. Um, don't confirm whether they're not to get, to get well, together. Well, uh, yeah, I was just going to say, I definitely remember way more about this story than I thought I would. At least so far what we've just reading, I feel like it brought back a lot of memories. So... I'm not going to say too much, and I'm not going to say anything, because I don't want to give anything away. So I have nothing to add to any of those points at this point. Well, I appreciate that. I don't want any spoilers. Allie does luckily get suspicious of Mary, so they go to the Haunter, who is another afterlight, and he's going to teach them how to paranorm. So basically using paranormal as a verb, which, you know, the English, the destruction of the English language that is, I hate, but I'll get over it. Mary is obviously very against paranorming because she doesn't want us to interact with the... doesn't want us. She doesn't want them to interact with the physical world. And that's basically what paranorming is. There's different types of it, and it's interacting with the physical world. Yes, and this haunting, paranorming, it's also going to be very important to the story. Yeah. And... This came as no surprise to me, and I'm assuming it wasn't a surprise to you either, but, like, Allie has a natural talent for this haunting. She's able to move a physical object with no training, which none of the other afterlights get to do, so it definitely feels like it's an important power, and I I wasn't surprised by it, were you? Oh, well, no, no, no. I, I just... I remembered. I mean, I guess, obviously. But also, no, I do think it makes sense that they introduced this idea of having powers. You would assume that at least one of the main characters is going to have this ability. Because otherwise, why would they bring it up? What's the point? Yeah. And it's also presented as it's a natural talent. So you have to, or at least the haunter, he says, you are like, you have the gift. So it's not like something that you can acquire. You either have it or you don't. And if you do, then you can learn to control it and like become more powerful is how it's at least presented so far. Yes, that is my understanding as well. Also, she does have this ability, sort of, it's sort of definitely in its infancy, to read the minds of living humans, I think. Like, she's kind of, like, walking through New York, and she's, like, passing through real people, and she's able to, like, hear their thoughts, which definitely feels important. Yep, that's definitely important. Not going to say anything else on that, (laughs) but yes, it's important. Please don't. But uh, just going ahead and wrapping up the plot, 
We also have the McGill, which is this ominous and unexplained villain that exists in Everlost. And it has taken Leaf and Nick, who, by the way, have been trapped in like these giant cans of pickle juice by the haunter. He like trapped them in there. So, and since they're like ghosts, they're just like floating within the pickles. I mean, this literally sounds like sheer torture because like you obviously can't die, like they're already dead, but they're just floating. Like the pickles are in their bodies and they're just in there. They can't hear anything really. They're just existing. And they can't move physical objects. And they can't move. So they're just existing in pickle vibing. juice. Just pickle vibing. Like, I don't know how you don't go insane from that, but we'll see. Well, you're a ghost. You can't go insane. I guess your routine, your niche could just be floating in pickle juice. Pickling. Pickling. Literally pickling. So, though, the back to the McGill. The McGill has taken them, though, with them because it looked like the McGill attacked the haunter. And now Allie needs to figure out how she's going to go rescue them from Staten Island. The McGill is, like, taking them on a ship, headed towards Staten Island. She doesn't know how she's going to do it, but that is pretty much where we ended the reading. I have to say I love that Staten Island is where the villain is. No offense to any of our listeners who are from Staten Island, but it does, like, kind of feel, like, fitting that of all the New York boroughs, that would be where they send the villains. It's just also, like, obviously the furthest, and now we get to see them, like, on a ghost pirate ship, I'm sure, because, like, a ghost pirate ship probably is a dead spot, so that'll be really fun. Also, you know me, I love a New York City story. Like, that was one of the best things about Percy Jackson is that he would always go back to New York and Long Island. And you know, if you're longtime listeners of the show, that Asia and I live in New York City. So it always makes me really happy when we get to, like, be in our, you know, hometown. Or our town, I guess. Yeah. So it's fun. And then I just do think it is really funny. Because actually the only time you and I have either been to Staten Island, we went together, right? So. Yep. Yeah. I, I just think it's fun. I, I, that, I, I enjoyed that New York detail. Yeah, I remember. I mean, I was going to say I forgot that it was in New York. But the Twin Towers pay, play like a huge role throughout the series. So I, I did remember that it was in New York. But which I do think is like a very interesting concept. And I think it is interesting to learn that Neil Schusterman, like part of the reason why he even chose to go ahead with the story is because he wanted to be able to write about the existence of the Twin Towers, like still existing in a place like Everlast. So just checking so I understand this, the dead spots are places in the real world or objects in the real world that come in, that exist in the ever lost because people died there so it's a mixture of so a dead spot my understanding is it either is a place where people died or it's literally like the death of the building so like for the twin towers those buildings literally died like obviously they both went down and i think Allie like also describes like they come across she comes across like um an old like 1920s hotel or something which that's the ghost of basically a building that was torn down but in order for a place to cross over like it has to have like been cared for and like not just anything necessarily goes i mean also we talk about for all the things that like cross over to everlast like they talk about food crossing over to everlast it has to be food that like somebody put like care and love into making and stuff like that 
or, and then same thing with objects. Like it's, and then there's also, in addition to things being intentionally put in Everlast, things also just get caught up in like vortexes, I think is what they describe, or like sunspots, which is basically where things will just fall out of the real world and into Everlast. But yes. And those are just like random. Those ones are just random. So like, I think they say like the car or whatever that a finder comes, which we didn't define, but finders are afterlights that go out and find dead things and they come back to Mary and they'll like trade them with her for other things. And Mary gives this finder, she always sees a Jaguar, a car that basically it like went into a car wash and like never came out because there was some kind of vortex, black hole, whatever that had it like it crossed it over and never lost. So that was completely an accident, which that also just might be another, like I said, there's lots of world building in this that we didn't mention is the afterlights in order to like remember their appearance, they can affect what they look like. So the finder that, that Mary talks to that she gives the car to he like she describes his smile as like getting bigger and bigger on his face because he's almost acting kind of like the stereotypical like car salesman kind of thing mm-hmm. and she ends up saying like you know normal humans only have 32 teeth mm-hmm. so that his like smile will shrink back down because since like you obviously i don't know i don't know and i can't remember if like they can see their reflections but like obviously if they can't see the reflections, you don't know you're you don't actually know what you look like anymore. Yeah. So like you have to you have to remember what you look like to have it maintained on your face, which that is gonna be important because essentially you can change what you look like like over time and with practice. Mm-hmm. So that is gonna be important too. So I just wanted to make sure I mentioned that. That doesn't surprise me at all. But for one last thing that we haven't discussed, which I said we would, is the skinjacking, skinjacker. It's called the Skinjacker Trilogy. And so it obviously must be important. And it's mentioned in the like list of different kinds of haunting as skinjacking. So I was just wondering if Charles, you've come up with any theories as to like what that could mean exactly and like why would that be the name of the series? I'm assuming it's that mind reading thing that uh Allie was doing maybe i'm wrong or maybe it's more advanced i'm also assuming that it maybe it's even possessing a human body or like taking on the appearance of a human body like by basically like living in it you get to like transform your like some because skin jacking sounds like hijacking skin so i'm just wondering if it's like some sort of inhabitation of a human of a real life human and therefore changing your appearance in Everlost. Or it could be like you inhabit them and therefore you get to read their mind. I'm not sure though. And I don't know if I want you to spoil it. So I won't spoil it. Well, I guess we'll have to find out by keep re- by continuing to read, right? Yes. And I look at that segue. Badoomts. Yes. That's a great segue for us to finish the episode so we'll be finishing Everlost for next week so we can find out what skin jacking is so if you're going to read along with us go ahead and read to the end and if you have a prediction of what as to what skin jacking is or theories or questions or you want to talk to us about how much you miss Inkheart 
Remember that you can stay in touch with us on the... No one misses Inkar. I said that mostly so that Asia would react. So you can stay in touch with us on the NerdParty website. You just head over to nerdparty.com slash contact. You select throwback paperback. And that'll send us an email. You can also get in touch with the network on Twitter at JoinNerdParty or Instagram at the Nerd Party or Facebook.com slash the Nerd Party. And to find me, I'm at Seashells on Instagram. And I'm at AsiaBonia on Twitter and TikTok and at Asia.bonia on Instagram. If you enjoyed this, make sure that you rate and review the podcast and share it with your friends. And of course, check out the other podcasts on the Nerd Party Network and make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss us next week. Yes, hit that subscribe button. Have a good one. We will see you next week. Join the revolution. Join the nerd party.